you hear me out there? Can you all hear me through the speakers? No? I can hear myself a little bit in the monitors, Daniel. We've been having some technical difficulties. And so as we work through those, let us just keep our minds on the fact that everything we have, everything we need, everything we will ever be belongs to God. Amen? Can you hear me a little better now? I can hear it coming in. I can hear it coming in. Father God, we thank you so much. You are the God of our weary years, a God of our silent tears, a God that has brought us this far on the way. Help us forever be mindful of that, Lord Jesus. Help us to forever remember that without you, we are nothing. Help us, Lord God, when so much competes for our attention to occupy the space of our minds and our hearts and our hands and our voices. Help us to know that you are our true north. Help us to remember that your word is our compass. Help us to remember that after your voice, we will follow, and after no other will we ever. It's in Christ Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Y'all thought I was going to start singing when I came up here, didn't y'all? That's the, you know, that's, that, that's the thing. Like, if you were singing preacher, that's half the job right there. Good friend of mine from college, <laughs> he said, Paul, man, you can be a preacher. So all I got to do is come up with a song. You know, just make the congregation sing with you. He was like, and then, uh, you know, say whatever you're going to say and then end with a song. It's like nobody's going to even remember the message. They're going to walk away with the songs and, and be missed. And, and believe it or not, I've seen that formula in action, and it's sad when it's just a formula. Amen. But it's a blessing when it is actual, genuine, you know. So welcome to Tri-Cities Church, you all. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. And we are in a brand new series called Reset. Everybody say Reset. Reset, and it's such a powerful thing to do around the first of the year because most of us have some kind of resolutions or some kind of reset going on in our lives anyway, right? My wife has me uh, or our whole family on kind of this uh, low meat to no meat. Uh, you know, I, th I think I'm breaking it, though. I think I'm kind of breaking the rules on the eating, like, because she's not doing, like, cheese, and I'm like, cheese is, like, part of my religion. Uh, but, yeah, amen. See, look, I got some other cheese. I got some other cheese-onions in the house. Amen. All the Cheezonians. <laughs> yes, praise be the Gouda. You know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> but we're all kind of doing things. We're cleaning out stuff. We're cleaning out closets and garages. And, uh, you know, some of y'all still got y'all Christmas decorations up, though. I know you do. And look, look. See, I, I like honesty. That's all right. But, and so it's just good for us for a number of reasons to do this series reset right now. As many of you know, uh, the, the guy who has been our lead speaking pastor for the last, uh, going on six years, I guess you could say, just short of six years, Wesley Bolden, uh, has gone on to some other things that God has called him to. And so we as a church are in a reset. You know, we as a church, some would say in the world of uh, church growth and kind of the organic life of a church, we're in transition as a church. And so many times when you do that, you need to go back to the fundamentals. You need to go back to a reset to say, okay, what was God's original intent for Tri-Cities Church? What was God's original intent for our mission in the communities that we are active in? And even more so, what was God's original intent for our lives as we serve him and as we worship him? So as we're going to get into this today, and I, I feel kind of little anxious because I forgot my, my, my helpers, my readers, my, my glasses, thought I had them, and I didn't. <laughs> and, I, and then some of y'all know I don't read too well. I'm one of the, and I did say D, not the. I'm one of the most intelligent people you would come across. 
but I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a champion reader at all, but I do my best. And so with that in mind, we want to go ahead and reflect back on last week. Now, Jamie started off this series talking about a reset of the heart. Amen. Anybody remember that? Reset of the heart. And uh, it was fitting that the series started with that because, I mean, I'm a believer, and this is what I was taught. And I'm, I'm going to give you a quote right now. And I, I didn't want to put it on the slide because it's a bit much to, to memorize, but I want you to keep this in mind. This is something I was taught by the pastor who I moved here to Atlanta with. He said, when your heart is right toward God, he will arrange situations, circumstances, and events to bring you into the company of the people who are critical for your success. That's a quote right there. And I had to remember, like, if you, if you worked under, his name is Lee Wilson, if you worked under Pastor Lee, you had to memorize that because that's how he lived his life. If your heart is right toward God, he will arrange situations, circumstances, and situations, I'm sorry, situations, circumstances, and events to bring you into the company of the people who are critical for your success. I've seen that to be more true than false in my life. And so here we are, here we are, we're in the reset series, and so I'm just going to go ahead and jump on in now. To reset something means to restore it to its original design, to set something back to, to its original purpose, its original intent. Now, I want to go ahead and pull up this. Oh, hold on, actually, before we pull up this next slide, <laughs> I, I did an object lesson some years back when I spoke here, and people couldn't believe that I, I bought out, like, my whole roll of toilet paper thing that said me and my wife's bread. Anybody here? And so what we talked about was that age-old argument, over or under, right? Oh, not, not, y'all done had this argument in y'all minds, even if you haven't had it with some people, right? Does a toilet paper go over or under? Now, if you ever do real research, which I'm, I'm an avid researcher, right? And so when you look up the patent for something, everybody know what a patent is? Meaning I made something, I created something, and I'm going to patent it in Washington, D.C. or an international, whatever, to say this is the original intent. Somebody tell me, is that over or under? Over. <laughs> Arguments up. Now, if you all just think, oh, this is way back in 17-something-something-something when they was using real clauses, toilet paper, set on fire. Show me the next slide with this right here. This, is, this right here is a box that's in the hallway at the hospital where I work. What is that toilet, what is that toilet paper? Is it over? over? It's over. So I think this argument, bath tissue. You know what? This side note, and this is why, this is why I kind of got to stick, stick to my script, because if not, I go down many rabbit trails. <laughs> So, I don't know what you call it. Where I'm from, we called it toilet paper, right? Hey, hey, somebody bring me some toilet paper. We need some toilet paper in it. Okay. My wife calls it tissue. <laughs> Listen, now you see on that box, it says bath tissue roll, right? I wasn't raised that way. In my house, if you ask for tissue, you got a Kleenex. You get what I'm saying? So, like... I didn't, you know, she asked for some tissue. I'm walking there with a box of Kleenex, and she's like, I need some bath tissue. I'm like, why didn't you say you need a toilet paper? It's TP. All right, back, back, back to the message. Back to the message. <laughs> but it's original intent, right? How did God design our minds to function originally? And so this week, that's what we're going on, because we're all about how to reset our inner worlds back to God's original intent. Amen? Now, what are our key scriptures here? Scripture I want to pull from right now, David wrote about in Psalms 27, and it goes like this. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, that 
I'm sorry. One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And that's Psalms 27, 3 and 4. Now, David was speaking about a literal physical army, a literal physical war. And while some of us have encountered real war, literal physical armies, what we're speaking of more so here is the scenario dealing with the wars and demise. And in, in my opinion, that's where every struggle begins. You see, we encounter things, be it if we're children or adults, we see things, right, or we hear things. And from the instant we see them or hear them, our mind begins to try to place them. Now, I don't want to go too much into the psychoanalytics because I love psychology and I love the whole neurosciences, right? But when your mind takes in information, it's like a computer. And if it's foreign, you sometimes see people go, you ever see that? Now, scientists and, and biologists have described that as a very primal reptile instinct. If you've ever seen a lizard or a dog or any other animal, when they don't understand that, you see their head tilts. Now, it's a part of the brain. It's a part of your brain that works to intake new information and, and put it into a category. And it's on that side of your head. So when you see somebody go, what are you talking about? That's part of that primal influence. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to get too much off into that because then people think I don't really love Jesus or believe in God, and I do. But these things are miraculously designed, I believe, by God. I, I, sometimes I get into conversations in the field that I'm in, those of you who don't know, my nine to five, the thing that I do to make sure my, my family eats and lives indoors is I'm a hospital chaplain. And so with that, you can imagine I come in contact with people in some of the most dire moments, people that are literally asking, how can it be a God if this is going on in my life? If God is so good, how have I just gotten this diagnosis about my mother? If God is so good, how is it that my son is now dead? I come in contact on a daily basis, weekly basis, with these kind of questions. And so I oftentimes get the atheist or the agnostic or somebody who's a Scientologist or someone who's more in the science than they are, the divine. And we have these conversations and we go round and round. I don't go around with them too much. I say, okay, so you believe in the Big Bang, right? Yes, I believe, you know, they go all in that. And I say, okay, well, you're a scientist, right? And they say, yes, I'm a scientist at mine. I say, good, because I'm a scientist at mine too. One of the first laws of science is nothing comes from nothing. So you got to use your brain. When, when, when we say we will serve the Lord with all our hearts, all our minds, all our souls, that don't mean you check that stuff at the door. That just means you, you check that stuff into God. So I say, okay, if, if nothing comes from nothing, then that's one of the very first scientific laws that you follow. And you're telling me that you believe all these gases and minerals were swirling into nothingness, and all of a sudden, bam, they all came together. And out of it sprang life, right? That's what you believe? Yes, that's what I believe. I say, okay. Only difference between you and I is, I believe God made the gases. <laughs> that, I, I believe God made the minerals. And I believe God caused them to come together in such a miraculous way that, bow, life came out of it. They're like, oh, no, 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 you can't prove that, 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 that God did. I said, but you can't prove that God didn't do it either. And your number one law is nothing comes from nothing. Right? Everything has a creator. So I get in these conversations with him about that. And so as we start to look at where the struggle of the mind begins, Sometimes we can get a little too heavy in that, but other times we need to take it just for it is. Thoughts of despair, thoughts of fear, thoughts of inadequacy, thoughts of greed, thoughts of hopelessness, 
Thoughts of hatefulness and thoughts of haughtiness. Anybody know what it means to be haughty? It means to be prideful, to, to boast yourself up, to be hubris. You begin to think that you're God. These are the armies that generally besiege us day by day as we live our lives, as we encounter this world. So as we're looking at what we face, and many of us face many different things, I will never pretend to know exactly what you're going through because my, my experience is not your experience. And the way sugar raised me may not be the way that Darlene rose you, raised you or the way the rose rose you, raised you. Yeah, something like that, <laughs> right? Y'all get what I'm saying. But it's always a constant battle. It's a constant battle between who controls the images of our mind. Hundreds of millions of dollars are spent every year to decide what images get projected to you. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, are done in research to decide not what's going to be cool for you to wear tomorrow, but what's going to be cool for you to wear next year. I guarantee you, if I could prove it, I probably would, but I can't prove it absolutely, but I would bet on it. There's a team of people right now somewhere in New York and in Paris that's deciding what's going to be fashionable for you this time next year. What's going to be in and what's going to be out. You just bought them shoes, but they played already. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, they just are. Sorry. That's just how the rotation works. And so as we're looking at what projects these images into our minds, we have to be very careful of what we allow into our eye gate. Amen. You ever heard the term, the eyes are the windows of the soul? Right. And we just, we just kind of having a conversation here today. I know you're not talking back, so it's more like a, you know, lecture, but we, we just going to keep it real basic today. So as you look at what you see and you hear what you hear, what do you listen to? Do you see something and say, that's a mess? I, I do on a daily basis, especially I'm, I'm a TV head, and I don't care. Listen, it ain't no real housewives of nowhere to act like them women on the TV, and I don't want, I don't want a wife like that in any way. I don't think many people do. But, but no, listen, we are in a generation now where I'm starting to see people try to act out in real life what's going on on those unreality TV shows. They might be called reality TV shows, but that's not reality, right? But they're trying to make it as though it is. And so I'm going to play this video clip real quick because I want you to begin to um, really consider what do you allow to have influence in your life and what's working against you. Now, this is a movie that came out a while back. And uh, I don't even think you can talk to kids like this anymore because, you know, it's not, you know, sensitive enough. But go ahead and roll this clip. Some of you may have seen it. It's not even funny, dude. Turn it up. So, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat them. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> what, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. The 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I don't want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. 
I get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right, let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground, just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go. Show me good effort. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on, keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know he's heavy. I'm bad out of strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. It hurts. And let it burn. It burning. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You scene I remember the first time I saw it I, I even still I get like goosebumps all over for one I remember those practices but like I said I don't even think you can talk to kids like that and nowadays they they uh <laughs> they don't allow you to be that you know vigorous with students anymore but it's something powerful about the voice he allowed himself to believe versus the voice that was originally in his head that said we're not gonna beat him we don't have it in us right and so with the coach he saw that as an opportunity because that guy was the captain of his football team right and so as his attitude goes, so goes the attitude of the rest of the team. Where your mind is the captain of your body. I said your mind is the captain of your body. And so goes your mind, so goes the rest of you. And even if in your heart, as we talked about last, uh, last week, if your heart says that I really want to, you begin to find yourself in the place that the Apostle Paul quoted. He said, those things that I wish I did, I don't. And those things I wish I didn't do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me? Now, we all know that it's God that can deliver to him. But that fight that's going on inside of you generally is against your mind and your heart, especially if you're someone who's already given your heart to God, amen? Because the world is constantly, constantly trying to convince you that you're not enough or that you are somehow off kilter, which some of us are, but we function. Admittedly so. So that saying all that, I want to go ahead and jump into our jump into our scripture for this week. And it's a little lengthy, so bear with me. But I want to share with you this story out of the Bible that gives an example of the battle 
and the war, we're all in. This war between evil thoughts is the one that consumes us all if we allow it. If we bow down to it, it will control our lives. So here we go. So if we look at Mark 5, we'll begin there. And this is from the Message Bible. They arrived on the, they arrived on the other side of the sea in the country of, I believe that's Garrison. You might know how to say it better than me if you speak Aramaic better than I do. As Jesus got out of the boat, a madman from a cemetery came up to him. He lived there among the tombs and the graves. I said he lived there among the tombs and the graves. No one could restrain him. He couldn't be changed. He couldn't be tied down. He had been tied up many times with chains and ropes, but he broke the chains and snapped the ropes. No one was strong enough to tame him. Night and day, he roamed through the graves and the hills, screaming out, slashing himself with sharp stones. When he saw Jesus a long way off, he ran and bowed and worshiped before him, then bellowed in protest, what business do you have? Now, it's funny because when I hear this, I, I'm a Lord of the Rings fanatic. And so I hear Smeagol's voice when I, when I hear him saying this. I'm sorry, Gollum. <clears throat> he says, what business do you have, Jesus, son of the high God, messing with me? I swear to God, don't give me a hard time. Now, the reason why he was saying this is because Jesus had just commanded that the evil spirit come out of him, right? A law, uh, all right. Jesus asked him, tell me your name. He replied, my name is Mob. Now, in the King James Version, it says, I am legion, which means many, right? But in the Message Bible, it says, I am Mob. I am a rioting mob. Then he desperately begged Jesus not to banish them from the country. A large herd of pigs was uh, browsing and rooting on the nearby hill. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so we can live in them. Jesus gave the order, but it was even worse for the pigs than for the man. Crazed, they stampeded over the cliff into the sea and drowned. Those tending the pigs, scared to death, bolted and told their story in the town and country. Everyone wanted to see what had happened. They came up to Jesus and saw the madman sitting there wearing decent clothes and making sense. No longer a walking madhouse of a man. Those who had seen it told the others what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs. At first, they were in awe, and then they were upset, upset over the drowned pigs. This was somebody's finances, y'all. You didn't drove my Cadillac into the lake, right? They demanded that Jesus leave and not come back. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the demon-delivered man begged to go along, but he wouldn't let him. Jesus said, go home to your own people. Tell them your story, what the master did, how he had mercy on you. The man went back and began to preach in the ten-town area about what Jesus had done for him. He was the talk of the town. Now, that was Mark 5, verse 1 through 20. Don't you just love that last line? It says, he was the talk of the town. Yeah, I, I bet he was. Can you imagine that that happened here in East Point? Now, in my city, we, we, in Dayton, Ohio, where I'm from, we had a couple different folks who we called street people, right? And it was this one guy named Dancing Ronnie. And Ronnie was at, like, different bus stops. 
at all hours of the day and night. And he was dance. He had a little radio. He had his cart, which was pretty much his mobile home, right? And everybody loved him. Though. He was just a cool guy. Like, he would just dance and be kind of be around. And if you gave him money, it was cool, but he never really asked you for anything. Most people are like, how does dude keep batteries in that radio, though? But he did, and he just danced. And everybody just kind of know that's just who he is, right? Kind of like how this madman was known all over the place. That's just that dude. Can't nobody control him. He out of control, man. We tried to tie him up. He broke out. He cuts on himself. We don't know what's going on with that guy. So imagine we had somebody like that living here in East Point or whatever city you live in around the Atlanta area. And then all of a sudden you walked up, and this brother got on a three-piece suit. And he's talking about the square root of pi, I don't know, or whatever intelligent people talk about. <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is 3.14, I believe, for all you mathematicians. But, but just imagine how you would think. You would be like, wait a minute. Isn't this, isn't this Radio Rob right here? Like, what are you, why aren't you dancing, man? You're kind of acting like you're making sense. You're acting like you got something. You're no longer a walking madhouse of a man. Now, the message uh, version of the story and the reason why, uh, you know what I'm saying, we're using that is because of the phrase, no longer a walking madhouse of a man. I wonder how many of us in life can relate to that description of ways we used to be. I wonder how many of us are living that description right now, but we're able to put on a good face and come to church and act as though all hell isn't really breaking loose in our lives, acting as though we didn't even think we would make it to today. How many of us are a walking madhouse of a man, walking madhouse of a woman, of a teen, of a mom, a dad, a student, a friend, a daughter, a son, businessman, doctor, realtor, teacher, athlete, spouse? How many of us are allowing those thoughts to run through our minds to make us madhouses? Like I said, working in a hospital that I work in, I, I, I do a spirituality group on Tuesdays and Thursdays in our behavioral health unit. That's what we used to call the psych ward. And as I do my groups, I'm always conscious of people being on different levels of cognition. And, try, and so I try to make the group to where everyone can pull something from it, grab something from it, and feel included. And it's nothing quite like seeing a person who's aware that they can't trust their own mind. It's heartbreaking. Especially if you see that the person at one time probably was a really sharp person. I'm talking about people with more degrees than a thermometer. Folks that are some captains of their industry and, and really proficient at life that somewhere, somehow, something went awry. And I'm telling you right now, it's been my experience. If not for the grace of God, and we hear this quote said oftentimes to kind of justify certain people's actions, but I'm telling you, if not for the grace of God, there go I. The way God put our bodies together is miraculous. The way our minds work together, the chemicals and the neurons and the synopsis and things that fire, it don't take much but a bump of the head for that thing to get off. It don't take much but a traumatic event to shake you to your core that what you knew as reality is snapped. And for some reason, you just can't get it to reconnect. 
And I speak with these people oftentimes, and when you see that their minds have abandoned them, and, and those of them that know it, it's even, man, it's even sadder. Because they know the reality of another way of thinking. They just can't find their way back to it. They just haven't been able to get a good, clean reset. And so as we think about those kind of things, I want to go ahead and, and make a link to some folks that experience some things in this day. Today, there's a young woman in Atlanta who believes she is worthless, hopeless, and fat. When she was 19 years old, a family member took advantage of her innocence, took advantage of his proximity to her, and changed her life forever. The encounter didn't last long, but the effects did. Not knowing where to turn for help, she turned inward, stuffing her secret deep down in her body, in her mind, hoping no one would ever know. She had been used and tossed aside. A, a message stuck with her. I'm a throwaway. I'm worthless. Her inner voice began to repeat that to her every day. I'm a throwaway. I'm hopeless. And eventually, after turning to junk food binges for solace for years and years without end, now she says, I'm fat. Today in Alabama, there's a man in his 70s who has been diagnosed uh, for 10 years ago, for about 10 years now, with type 2 diabetes. He thinks about the diagnosis every night, late at night, as he sits up in front of a TV screen, stuffing himself with whatever kind of sugary food he can find, cookies, ice cream, oh, ice cream, cake, donuts, and bowl and bowl and bowl across his plates. He says to himself, what use is trying to change my habits now? I'm doomed to a diseased life. Today, there may even be a mom that pours herself her third glass of wine after work. It's just the way to unwind, she tells herself. She reasons that slightly, as in the back of her mind, she says, the alcoholism in my family has nothing to do with this. We see case after case, scenario after scenario, a wife that heads off to her support group. It's her sign of supporting her husband who's relapsed with his addiction. She would blame him for the struggle their family is having if not for her own time after time finding satisfaction in the arms of other men. It indicts her. Her three girls are starting to suffer in ways that she isn't sure she can manage. She says to herself, I should leave. She says to herself, this thing is hopeless. You stretch beyond the borders of our country, the borders of our, our, our nearby surroundings. Today there are men, women, boys and girls all over the world on the planet wondering how they're going to make it, how they're going to survive the latest turn of events, how they're going to matter to anyone what life is going to look like for them, and if they can even make it past today. They say things like, it's over. I've tried everything. It's beyond repair. Nothing will work. Closer to home, 
you and I, we, we may be having great lives, right? We may be experiencing great times. We just came through a, a holiday season of celebrating that was joyous for very many of us. But there are others. That holiday marked for them what in their mind may be their last Christmas. Maybe their first New Year's without a loved one. And so it wasn't as joyful for them. In our congregation, we have people who are suffering from terminal disease. We have people who are suffering from lack of income. We have people who are suffering from binge eating. So I guess you could say obesity to a point. We have people who are suffering from depression. And when you have someone that's suffering in this way that's somewhat manic, that's uncontrollable, you can't just say to them, well, snap out of it. Just be happy. You're depressed? Just be happy. It's not that easy. They do need a reset. But they also need to begin to fill their minds with life and the truth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I said life, truth, and our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. And so if you are a walking madhouse of a person, whatever area of your life that might be, I want to go back to that story in Mark 5. Do you remember what the madman did? when he realized Jesus was nearby. We see in verse 6, when he saw Jesus a long way off, he ran and bowed and worshiped before him. Despite the maddening realities he faced in his mind and in his body and in his spirit, he rushed toward, not away from the Messiah, and he lowered himself in submission to the king. See, this is why week one of this series was so important. Because until our faith is reset from faith in ourself to faith in Jesus, in our hearts, that is, all other resets are null and void. They can't happen. All other resets will, lead, will elude us. So, until we realize Jesus is near, and believe me, he is always near. Until we rush toward him and bow down and worship, surrendering our self-made goals and plans. Until we allow him to reset our faith and to admit that I can't fix what's wrong with me apart from the power of the Lord. Now, outside of counseling people in a hospital, I also counsel married couples. I marry folks. And it's always funny to me when I find myself in a, a, a session and... Uh, and they're agreeing with everything I'm saying. They're like, yeah, 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 we good, man. We, and I'm like, but you're here. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, because I, I think counseling is healthy. I think counseling is very healthy. My wife and I have a marriage counselor we go to. We try to get to him at least once a year. That's not because anything is going wrong. We do it almost as an annual checkup. You'd be surprised how many times you get in that room with that counselor and your spouse starts talking to you like, why didn't you say something? Like, I didn't, realize, I didn't realize that was what was wrong. But you don't know if you're not willing to humble yourself to say, hey, listen, we need some help. The one thing I tell most couples that come to me, especially, and it's not all the time, but more times than not, it's the husband. 
that I have to say this to. Look, because y'all wives laughing a little too hard. It's usually the husband that I have to say this to. And I say it like this, bruh, if you could have fixed it yourself, you would have. And that, that's how it goes for most of us. If we could fix the, the relational issues we have by ourselves, it would have been fixed, right? But for some reason, we keep convincing ourselves we allow that story to keep playing over and around and around in our minds. I can fix it. I don't need, for one, I don't want nobody in my business. And guys, guys are a little bit prideful. Just a little bit. Sometimes, sometimes, some guys, not Tony, not, not, not Tony. <laughs> some guys can be a little prideful. I don't want to sit in front of this dude and, you know, let my wife just talk about all the things I ain't doing. I'm a man, right? I'm sorry, let me speak for myself. I'm a man. Do man things, right? <laughs> but if we could fix it ourselves outside of the power of God, don't you think we would? I think we would. And so you got to be real with yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord. Until these things happen in our lives, we will continue to have war in our mind and our heart. We will continue to need a reset. Now, wrapping up here, I know y'all don't mind if we get done early. I've never heard anybody complain about a message being too short. And all of my life, I've been in and around church. Jamie, am I, I don't know. I've been around church my whole life. I ain't never heard nobody say, man, that was too short, preacher. <laughs> right? And like I said, I just wanted to kind of share some things with you today because we are resetting as a congregation. And, and the pastor we have that's coming in is a powerful, powerful minister that's coming in as himself, not pretending to be or act like anyone else. So for some of y'all, y'all gonna have to do a reset of perspective as it comes to Tri-Cities Church. And so keeping that in mind, this is one of the key takeaways I want you to get today. A few of them I'm gonna share The reality of the fact is those things that are playing over and over in our mind are as real as the cheers you're sitting in right now. And just like you have belief that that chair is going to keep holding you, you have belief that these thoughts in your mind are going to continue to plague you, that the, these things in your mind that are eating at you are just as real as the cheers that you're sitting in. Their effects are certainly real. Most times they feel realer than the realities we're actually facing. Fear feels more real than the situation actually is. Stress feels more real than the admittedly tough circumstances we're in. Hopelessness feels more real than the admittedly tough relational strain we're having right now. And we're so quick to buy into those lies that it's unbearable, that it's unsurmountable, that it's hopeless. Too many times, that's what we do. We throw in the towel as though Jesus is not saying, sitting there saying, hey, psst, there's another way. As though Jesus is not sitting there saying, hey, listen, I am the truth, the life, and the way. So the first thing I want you to remember is this. Remember that we can only think one thought at a time. Look, y'all didn't nobody write that down. Y'all like, oh, man, Paul, you should have studied harder, bro. <laughs> you didn't put enough time into this thing. It's really that simple. And no, I did. I studied about 30 hours this week, y'all. I did. It's really that simple. We make this thing way too complicated. 
You can only think one thought at a time. That's not prolific. That, that ain't no rhema word or, you know, no prophetic touching it that came on that. That's the reality of how your mind functions. And some of y'all, see, some of y'all are pretty bright. Everybody can't be as smart as Blair, but <laughs> even Blair can only think one thought at a time. One thought. Try it. Try it right now. Try to think two things. <laughs> you can't do it right now. You're thinking about what I'm talking about. Now, I didn't say you can't stream these thoughts together to run right after another. Think good, but then I think bad. I think bad, but then I think good. You, oh, you can do that all day. You can do that, but you can only think one thought at a time. If you consider it, you'll see. Regardless of how smart you are, how savvy you are, and what stellar multitasking uh, Stovinian, yeah, that, that comes from the Stovals, because you got you to you gotta multitask if you're a Stovall. You, you got to, so I say Stovinian. I just made that up. I patented that word. It's, it's recorded. <laughs> that was yours. Adam said that was his. No matter what you can do, you can still only think one thought at a time, which carries powerful implications as it relates to the topic at hand. Because if you are only thinking good thoughts, you can't at the same time be thinking a bad thought. Now, a bad thought can, let me tell you something, a bad thought can back up that good thought real quick. I'm talking, it can knock that, it can flat kick that thing right in the back out the way and be the bad, bad thought right there. I'm, I'm telling, okay, I'm just testifying for myself. All right, okay. It's all right. Let me stop telling on myself. I'm dry snitching. All right. So, wait a minute, y'all know what dry snitching is? Some of y'all know what dry snitching is. All right, I'm going to keep it moving. <laughs> hey, let's, let's edit that out the recording. <laughs> but listen, if you are thinking a life-giving thought, you can't also be thinking a life-taking thought. If you're thinking a pure thought, you can't at the same time be thinking an impure thought. Not at the same time. If the young woman in Atlanta that I talked about earlier is thinking that she might just be worth something, she can't at the same time be thinking she's worthless. If the man with type 2 diabetes in Alabama was thinking that healthiness might just be within his reach, he can't also be thinking he's doomed to a life of disease forever, at least not at the same time. If the wife headed to the support group is thinking that because Jesus' resurrection, we all as his followers are born again into living hope, a hope that lives everlasting to everlasting, as Peter 1 and 3 promises. She can't simultaneously be thinking about her situation being hopeless. She can't think both thoughts at the same time. So we do well to remember we can only think one thought at a time. My second consideration for you <laughs> is another simple one. Choose just one thought to think and make it good. Make it something good. You Let, let me tell you something. You can decide what you're thinking about. I'm going to say it again. You can decide what you're thinking about. Now, you cannot decide what pops into your mind. I would be a totally different person if I could. I would probably be in a totally different place in my life if I could decide what pops into my mind. But what you think on, what you think on is totally and completely your decision. Many couples I counsel when we start getting down to the nitty-gritty. So what happened? Well, 
he said this and did that, and then I thought, oh, okay. What did you do after you thought that? Well, then I thought, and then I thought some more, and then I believed. It always goes in that, that order. I thought, and I kept thinking, and then I believed. And then once you believe, you start to act out of your beliefs. It's so amazing. I, and I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself right now, but just for time's sake, let's go ahead and jump ahead. Put that, uh, put that slide up. The world knows this. We, we, we in the church, the, um, your thoughts become your action. That, that one. Jamie redid it for me because he's so brilliant. This one. This is what the world knows. This ain't out the Bible, y'all. What does it say? Watch your thoughts, for they become words. Watch your words, for they become actions. Watch your actions, for they become habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. Even the world knows this, y'all. And they don't even know the true and living Savior. Let me tell you what that says. The way God put it in place, there is a time and season under heaven for everything. That's Ecclesiastes. Some of y'all just know that from the Beatles, but that's Ecclesiastes, right? To everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, turn. But listen, this is the law that God put in place. You put a seed in the ground. You compact it. You water it. You feed it. It grows. That's a universal law. Whether you are saved or unsaved, Protestant or Catholic, Muslim, Hindu, I want to believe, sometimes I believe. I'm seeing me, I only come on Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. I would believe they wouldn't have done my grandmama like that all them years ago at that church. Whatever your belief system is, that same scientific fact is applied. Seed, ground, harvest. And so, if even the world knows that your thoughts have so much power, that eventually it determines your destiny. Don't you think that the word already speaks to that, right? The word does already speak to that. Choose just one thought. Make it good. Let's go ahead and look in 2 Corinthians 10. The Apostle Paul writes, <clears throat> For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every petition that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. I said we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now that's the message Bible. The RSV says this, for though we live in the world, we are not carrying, we're not carrying on as the world. For the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every proud obstacle to the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We see it all throughout the scriptures. Eyes have not seen. I mean, these are the things you have to continue to replay in your mind as you reset. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. Nor has it entered into the hearts of man what the Lord God has for you. Imagine if that's your thought. Imagine, imagine if this is your thought. All things work together for the good of those who what? Who love him and what? Are called according to his. See, because it's, it's not up there. Y'all people don't read the Bible, don't know it. But you got to get this word in you. This is part of the reset. 
These aren't just quotes or cliche-ish things to say. This is the living, powerful word of God. Another one, for I know. Listen, if you're that person that's suffering from health challenges and thinks that a healthy life can never be yours, if you're a person whose marriage seems to be on, on, the, on the rocks every other month, y'all like in between getting ready to get divorced every six months, I propose to you, Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil. But if you have that word in your mind, then your mind can continue to be reset, reworked, and relaunched. Amen? Y'all, boy, y'all ain't talking to me this morning. That's the, that's the word of God. This ain't stuff Paul was making up. I'm telling you. This is the Apostle Paul. See, y'all thought it was Paul Kenny. No, this is the Apostle Paul, a.k.a. Saul, a.k.a. Never mind, we're not going to go there. Paul of Tarsus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's go ahead and look at a letter uh, that Paul wrote to the, to the church of Philippi. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honorable, Whatsoever is just, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worth of praise, think about these things. In other words, this is some other things you could probably be thinking about, am I right? Every, everything I just said there, there's an opposite of that, am I right? So he said, if these things are there, think of these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, this, this is something for you folks who, who say, well, I don't read the Bible as much as I should, or I have a hard time remembering the Scriptures. Man, you, you got to get up around some Scripture-living folk. Because remember, it's always a competition for who controls the images in your mind. You see it flashing all the time, pop-ups on Facebook, pop-up on Instagram, pop-up on Twitter. At the Martyr Station, when you just ride by, it's this billboard of a lady with a cognac bottle and this whole situation. You're like, what is all that about? These are all images fighting to see who will possess your mind. Commercial. I'm like, what did that have to do with a cheeseburger? <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I mean, anybody ever seen a, what was it, uh, Hardee's, what was his name, uh, Carl Jr.? His dad had to take back over the company because this joke these commercials this guy was putting out. It's like it had nothing to do with food. Like, and it was certain certain towns where they were like trying to ban <laughs> these commercials from me being played because that's just how raunchy they were. It's competing for images in your mind. That's how this world is set up. So think on these things. Take your thought life captive, Paul says. Do not let thoughts roam through your mind unchecked, unseized. Hold them captive. Demand that they line up with God's word. And then this, fill your mind with truth, excellent thoughts. So I'm going to put this, I think it's probably my last, put the James Allen, he wrote a book with this title, but it is a scripture. And me and Jamie had to go around and around. Psalms 27, 23, 7. Psalms 23, 7. Let's put that up. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See how, the, see how the mind and the heart line up? You don't think with your heart. You feel with your heart. Your heart is the life force pump that pumps life, blood, and oxygen through your body. You think with your mind. But this is letting us know we have to line our mind up with our hearts, if our hearts are for 
God. God wants to reset our minds. He wants to teach us how to think pure thoughts. He wants to teach us that you are loved. You are forgiven. You are valuable. You are not condemned. These are the thoughts, and that's why resetting your mind is so important. When we see that we are priceless creations of the Most High God, hopefully we'll start treating other people like they are too. It's very hard to treat somebody bad that you know is a priceless child of God. Now, oh man, Lord Jesus. In our country, <clears throat> we've had a lot of dynamics that go on throughout the existence of our country. And even though in the inception it says we hold these truths to be self-evident, meaning they need no other proof or justification, that all men, meaning mankind, are created equal and have unalienable, meaning that you can't even challenge them, rights to life, the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. But we all know it ain't necessarily always played out like that. Oh, I'm sorry, maybe I just know that they ain't always played like that. I don't know. Sometimes, I, I mean, I don't know. Am I living in a bubble? I don't, I don't know. I mean, but, but if our minds are though, you are a priceless, divine jewel of the Most High God. Because if God made everything, as we're told in the Bible, and by him was not anything made that is made, that means every single person you see is a divinely created jewel of the Most High God, no matter who they believe God is. No matter color, race, sexual orientation, God made them all, what we're told, the Imago Dei, which means in the image of God. Now, they might need some, some, some real serious resets <laughs> in their hearts and their mind and their lives. They might, man, they might just need a, uh, uh, you know, you hit, that, you hit that, that button that you can only get with a, with a pen. You know, and you're like, boo, now we just unplug that joint for a little bit and plug it back up in a couple hours. They might need that kind of reset. I don't know, but they are still a jewel of God. And so if you really get that in your mind, you begin to treat people you come in contact with very differently. That irate person on the bus or on the train that smells like they haven't bathed in months, you begin to treat them differently. That coworker at your job that if you don't speak to her, hmm, I will be all right if she don't say nothing to me. My day will actually go better if she just keep on walking. And I'm just waiting till they realize I do her job anyway, so they need to fire her and, and, and give me a raise. That person right there? That's a jewel of the Most High God. Yeah. That God that said he loved you till he got what he wanted from you, then treated you like you were a throwaway afterwards? Mm. That's a jewel. Tarnished. <laughs> but a jewel all the same. Of the Most High God. Your ex. Oh, let me not even go there. Your ex is a jewel of the Most High God. And so, let's keep it moving. Let's keep remembering that I am loved. I am seen. I am victorious. I matter to God. And hope is not lost. Nor is it lost for you. 
This is the state of mind you have to begin to operate in. This state of mind will change your life. When I moved here in 2001, we revamped the youth ministry, and we renamed the youth ministry Inline Student Ministries, ISM for short. And our creed was this, change your mind, change your life, change your world, in line. And it meant get in line with the word and the will of God for your life. Change your mind, change your life, change your world, in line. And man, if I, I'm telling you, we radically change some young people's lives. But when I think about that, if you don't change your mind, you're not going to change your life. And the world is just going to keep on as it's been keeping on. And you're going to be victimized and subject to however the world chooses to, to operate. If you don't change your mind first, that's the only thing you got power over anyway, amen? All right, so here's step three. So let's reveal. Step one, keep in mind you can only think one thought at a time. Step two, choose for your one thought, think something good. Okay? Sean, got it? You got it? You follow? All right. Okay. Step three. After the first good thought, <laughs> think another one. <laughs> man, I'm telling you, this is the simplest message you ever heard in your life. Now I'm like, Paul, man, I don't know. You sure you got your masters in divinity? I do. That's why I know truth when I see it and when I read it. After you think one Think another one. And think another one. Because we've already seen as our thinking goes, so goes our behavior. So goes our inner compass. So goes our character. And so goes our destiny. Billy Graham once said, you fill up your Jesus tank day by day, and you'll have a reserve to draw from. When you fill your mind with God's truth, true thoughts will come to mind as we go about our days. So you think about those scriptures I just was quoting earlier, the uh, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, all that the Lord has for you. You think about all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You think about, for I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans for good and not for evil. You think about those things, and before you know it, that's what you begin to, be, that's what you begin to really believe will be the outcomes of your life. And over time, it will take effect. So, in closing, this is what I'm going to say. More than a century ago, two neurologists were studying the effects of the brain on the body. In other words, they wanted to know how you think impacts who you are. Said so they wanted to know how you think impacts who you are. These men were not Christians. They were neurologists. Now, that's not to say that no neurologists can be Christians. They can't. But these gentlemen were not. Okay? And this was more than a century ago. They happened, and it happened to be in the days when women wore huge hats. Do we have a slide of that, of that lady with that beautiful hat on? Some of y'all church mamas still wear these hats. <laughs> Not here at Tri-Cities. This ain't, this ain't that kind of church. But if you do, I'm, it's cool. Just don't sit on the front row. Come on. Don't do us like that. You get me out the spirit with that. Come on. All right. All right. So, you know, the fancy hats, they have feathers and all those things. But they added about 10 inches to the woman's height, right? This is what they realized. So the researchers noticed that when the women with tip, who typically wore these massive hats were walking through doorways, they would duck. When they would walk through doorways, they would duck, even if they didn't have on the hat that day. Their mental self was wearing the hat. Their, I'm going to say that again. Their mental self was wearing the hat. And even though their physical self wasn't, 
their mental self still reacted out of what they had conditioned it to do. Yeah. Of note to us, as we think about resetting our minds, our thoughts, I want to encourage you to give yourself some grace as you step through the doorways of your life and find yourself ducking, reacting as you used to react, as you've been conditioned to react. Be gracious with yourself. Give Jesus some time and reset you as you concentrate on the word of God. As you change your thoughts from those of being selfless, uh, I'm sorry, to being worthless, to being worth something. As you change those thoughts from being hopeless to hopeful. Be gracious with yourself. You'll find your chin will drop. You might even find you give in that time. But be willing to get up and reset, please, I ask you. You'll make room for that, for that hat to clear that doorway until you don't anymore. And then all of a sudden, we won't see you slouching down just as much. That old hat will no longer be in your head. I encourage you, stay your course. So Romans 12 and 2 confirms that the path to genuine spiritual transformation in other words, the radical reset of your life is paved by one thing and one thing alone, the renewing of your mind. When we think of the different thoughts, we will be different people. When you think different thoughts, you will be different people. If you think on these things and stick to these things, God will show up in your life. I'm certain of it. And so with that in mind, and I have one more scripture. No, no, I'm going to go ahead and close it out. With that in mind, let's go ahead and pray. Jamie, you can come on up. Ken, y'all can come on up.